You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hillbilly Horror Stories, Listener's Stories bonus episode. Please welcome to the show, Jerry and Tracy, and you. <laughs> I just moved in my new house today. Moving was hard, but I got squared away. Bells started ringing and chain ran loud. In a haunted house. Hey guys, and welcome to the October listener story bonus. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have um, some guests on this show, and then we've got a cool story for you, and we'll work up a, a listener's story to tell you. So it's going to be a cornucopia, which it might be a little month early for cornucopia that's usually november for thanksgiving <laughs> it'll be here next week anyway i mean it seems like <laughs> it have you ever heard of the hunter museum of art no i have not that's shocking i know this so anyway, i had a uh, we had some listeners come by the other day mm-hmm. and they uh, did pull a surprise visit on me at work which was really cool very cool and it was tanya and scott and they're from chattanooga so I thought it would be pretty cool to see if we could dig up a story in Chattanooga because I know very little about Chattanooga. And that's what I did. Well, good. So that's where the Hunter Museum of Art is. Okay. So they say that if you you go to Chattanooga, Tennessee, that you can't look at the skyline without noticing the Hunter Museum of American Art. That's the technical name of it. Uh-huh. And we'll get into a little bit of that uh, as to why a little bit later. Okay. But. So the museum's been the home of priceless art and antiques for almost 100 years now. That's cool. It's still one of the most influential properties in Chattanooga, and it's a must-see for anybody who visits the area. So it sits up on top of a bluff, and uh, it's a converted mansion. It's a true testament to the determination and philanthropy of its former owner, George Thomas Hunter, which is how it got its name. But for all of the priceless art and historical relevance, the museum holds, it actually may be more famous for the role that it played in one of the most notable mysteries of that area. Ooh, now, if you believe, Yeah, if you believe the rumors, uh, there's a, the, the victim of this crime still haunts the museum. So let's look at, the, at some history uh, of the land and, and the mansion itself. So back in its earliest days of Chattanooga's history, the bluff up there um, where the museum actually sits today was of huge importance to the Cherokee tribe. It was the highest point of, of, along the Tennessee River, so you can see how that mm-hmm. would be crucial. And they believed it was also the secret uh, or the home of the secret mythical giant hawk. Ooh, that's cool. And it was called Tia Numa. Tia Numa. Tia Numa. So by the 1800s, the Cherokee, though, had pretty much been you know, removed from the area. And in 1854, an iron smelting plant was constructed right there on the land. It was right now, if you were at the um, museum, it's where the northwest corner of the museum would be today, is where this 
plant was. So the plant was known as Bluff Furnace Creative. It's one of it was one of the, small, the South's earliest major enterprises. So it was a big deal. The uh, company itself, though, came to a temporary stop when the uh, onslaught of the Civil War. Oh. It was eventually destroyed during the war. Well, the what Union, a shame. well, the Union and the Confederate forces used that bluff as a lookout um, back in the 1860s. So. It was, I guess, just in the way, and because mm-hmm. they were both using it, it just got caught in the middle. So the bluff sat unused until the early 1900s when one of the richest families in Chattanooga built the mansion that is used as a museum right now. In 1904, Ross Faxon, he had an architectural firm called uh, Mead and Garfield. They were out of Cincinnati to design a home for his family. Faxon was rich, and he'd made all of his money in the insurance business. You wouldn't think the insurance business would have been that big back in, back in the day. early 1900s. <clears throat> he soon moved his family in to this beautiful uh, Edwardson-style mansion. It was up on the bluff. It was complete with hand-carved woodwork, sconces, fixtures, and even leaf fruit and floral uh, ornamentary motifs that are still there today. Oh, so all the original all ones the, are still there. Golly, that's forever. The Faxon family lived there for almost a decade, Mm -hmm. but in 1920, they sold it to the Thomas family. Now, the Thomases were one of the more prominent families in the area at the time, and Taylor Thomas bought the property, and uh, she was the widow of Benjamin Thomas, who was one of the founders of Coca-Cola. Nice. So that brings us to George Thomas Hunter, who was Benjamin's nephew. So George moved into Chattanooga right around the same time, uh, the same year that that mansion was originally built by the Faxon. So that was 1904. He was only 17 years old at the time and eventually would own this property after working his way up through Coca-Cola for his uncle. He went from secretary to president, and by the time the company took off and became a huge giant in America, George was chairman of the board, and he had inherited the company from his uncle after he passed. He got set up really nice, didn't yeah, he? I would say so. So Hunter was wealthy, and he gained a reputation for being a very charitable man in, in Chattanooga. Well, that's nice. He gave to the poor, and he created the Benwood Foundation, which was a um, private charitable trust. So they always keep money on hand to help out where they could. In 1951, George Hunter passed away. Aw. He was unmarried and childless. You're kidding. So knowing this, knowing that he had no heirs, and had a huge love of art. The Chattanooga Art Association went to uh, Hunter's Charity, the Benwood Foundation, and they asked if they would consider donating the mansion to them so they could build the art museum. Mm -hmm. They agreed, and less than a year later, on July 12, 1952, the George Thomas Hunter Gallery of Art was opened. So he didn't have, like, a will at all, even though he had no kids or nothing? Nothing. So, I mean, what? I mean, I'm I'm assuming everything went to his trust, which was his charity. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's why they had the um, ability to be able to donate it. Yeah, so, well, I guess that makes sense. So, over the years, there had been um, all kinds of restorations and renovations, but the biggest came in 1975. A new building was added to the complex that was completely different than the style of this mansion. It was concrete with a beautiful central atrium, and it went on to win all kinds of major architectural awards in Chattanooga. I'm so happy all the good stuff has come out of this. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, it won't finish that way. 
Oh. We tell ghost stories here. Oh, oh. So anyway. <laughs> I was so into the happiness. I forgot. Not only was this such an award winner, but it changed uh, the skyline there in Chattanooga forever. So it's a pretty cool looking building. So now with the new building came a new name, the Hunter Museum of, Museum of Art. The Benwood Foundation donated 40 American paintings that were valued up to a million dollars to help get it really kicked in. Mm -hmm. So the museum took off and it grew like crazy. So after over 65 years on the highest bluff in Chattanooga, it has no signs whatsoever of slowing down. They partnered with Tennessee Aquarium and Creative Discovery Museum so they could actually have uh, a foundation for a bunch of new exhibits. So with their eye on, always on the future, they no doubt will be there for another 65 years. And so will the ghost. <laughs> I'm just assuming. Oh. So the people who work at the Hunter Museum talk of ghosts and hauntings on a normal basis. Now, according to Katrina, uh, Katrina Craven, she's the spokesperson for the museum, she said the mansion part of the museum is reportedly haunted by five ghosts. Mm -hmm. Employees feel like they're being watched, and, and security guards who stay up late, uh, or not stay up late, but if they're working late. Yeah, watching. Mm -hmm. They're spooked by shadows that move around in the darkness. But man, what a nice place to be hanging out in, to look at the art all the time. And I mean, you would think. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. So as for the five spirits, only one has been personally identified, Miss Augusta Hoffman. And Miss Hoffman is the subject of our story tonight. Okay. You probably thought it was the... The Dagon Museum. Yeah. It wasn't. So let's go back to 1915. We're still in Chattanooga. 60-year-old uh, Augusta Hoffman was living with her sister and her sister's family, the Bennetts, at number 15 Bluff View, which was next door to the Hunter's Mansion. Now keep in mind, this was back when it was owned by the Thomases. So mm -hmm. um, Hunter didn't own this one yet. This was still back when his uncle and, and his wife owned it. The Hoffmans, uh, well, we're talking about the Bennetts and the, and the Hoffmans, they were actually tenants of the Thomases. So the Thomases owned the place where they lived, too. So they didn't mingle on a regular basis, but they were familiar with each other like you would be with your neighbors. So according to the St. Louis Dispatch, this, it's a, this was actually printed in the paper, Augusta Hoffman was a pathetic old woman living as a boarder with her sister, Nancy Bennett, and her nephew, William. <laughs> well, I mean, what's something to put in a paper uh, like yeah. that? Yeah. Some people are just mean. Miss <laughs> Hoffman actually did own a little bit of property in Knoxville, but she apparently didn't make enough money to be able to sustain uh, yeah. herself, so she was forced to move in with her sister. She did a little bit of needlepoint for a dressmaker by the name of Molly McGraw. Uh, but then in one day, 1915, Augusta Hoffman just disappeared. Wow. No authorities were called. The Bennetts claimed that Augusta got married to a man uh, in Knoxville, and she moved there. That simple. Okay, but couldn't they find that out if she was missing? Or just they just thought, well, she did it. Well, I think it was just like you see on TV shows and movies where somebody just disappears and they just said, oh, she moved away. Or my wife left me or whatever the deal is. If there's no reason to investigate, there's no reason to investigate it. People get married and move away all the time. I guess so. So anyway, William Bennett, and or William Bennett's wife, that was the nephew of, mm -hmm. of Augusta. She said she left her house, said she was going to Knoxville to marry a man there named Brown. She was always secretive about her affairs. So the Bennett's claim that 
they'd received letters from Augusta for almost two years after she left. So they came from several places, including Washington, D.C., New York, Cleveland, and as far away as Santa Cruz, California. Most of these were signed by Brown, though, her husband, but he always mentioned that Augusta was doing well. At least, that's what the Bennetts said. Now, when Augusta's sister, uh, Nancy, died in 1916, the letters stopped coming. The Bennetts said they didn't think anything of the fact that the letters quit coming because Augusta was a very peculiar woman, and she had only been close to her sister, so now that her sister was gone, Mm -hmm. why would she write them? The following year, the Bennetts moved to Knoxville, and then they moved from Knoxville to Roma, Georgia. Now we're going to fast forward about seven years to 1924. They decided the people that owned the house decided that they were going to have the basement floors redone. So the boards were all kind of rotting and, and what have you, and the carpenters decided they were just going to rip them up. No sense of trying to repair them. One of the workers said he was using his hammer, and he smacked down onto the board, broke the board, and when he pulled back, there was a chunk of bone on his hammer. He said that he kind of laughed and said, well, that's funny. And he just started digging some more. Well, the end result was a shallow grave was found that contained a skeleton. On the skeleton, the only thing that was left on it was the shoes, as far as clothing. Mm-hmm. There were shoes, a pair of glasses, and some false teeth that were grinning eerily up from the skull. <laughs> that kind of... When you think about it, I've never really thought about the fact of seeing the skeleton and having With false teeth. With false teeth, yeah. Because, I mean, you always think about them having regular teeth. Oh, or... yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so the police were called immediately, and a homicide investigation was launched. So witnesses started kind of coming, coming out of the woodwork. Mrs. Yeah, Hunt. so to speak. Huh? No pun intended. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and so was the skeleton. Oh, yeah. So Mrs. Hunt, who lived next door, said that, Come to think of it, there was an old lady that was living there that just suddenly disappeared, and we were told she got married. Then you got Mrs. McGraw. She was the one that she did needlepoint for, for the dressmaker. She said that Augusta left without getting her final paycheck. Then there was a dentist in Knoxville who came forward and said that the dentures that were there was the same pair that he had made for Augusta years earlier. Oh, my gosh. It's always the dentist. They always ruin it for the killer so police said that the body it looked like it had to have been burned with acid oh and the gosh. reason they well they say that because there was no hair and all of the clothes were pretty much destroyed and there's no way that they would have decayed that fast that fully in oh nine my years goodness terrible so with the amount of evidence that was uh mounting on on mr and miss bennett they pretty much stood no chance to avoid prosecution Still, the Bennetts maintained their innocence. They uh, even pointed out the fact that they had done everything in their power to reconnect with their elderly aunt. He even told the paper that he never heard from Aunt Gussie again after his mom passed. They figured that she was either mad at them or she just was trying to, you know, do whatever she wanted to do but just not reconnect. And they said they tried for a few years and they didn't figure that she just wanted to reconnect. So they didn't see it being a big deal. They had to know, well, whatever. Well, they also said that they didn't feel like she was a victim of foul play, so there was no need for them to ever go to the police. They didn't feel like she was missing. They felt like she just moved away and didn't want to have contact with them. Do they not go in the basement or under the floors or wherever the heck they they put her? Well, 
they said that that's all they knew and they didn't know anything else. And uh, that wasn't enough, though, for the attorney general. Well, thank goodness. He he charged them in the case. The police's reasoning was, so you got a family that didn't tell the police that she'd just gone missing. Yeah. Then they claimed to say that she married a man from another town that they had never met, knowing that this lady was practically a, a recluse and never left the house. Well, I just, I mean, did she not haunt the crap out of them? <laughs> I would have haunted their butts till the end of time. So the police decided they went ahead and lured the uh, Bennett's back to Chattanooga. And they did this by saying that they just wanted to interview him. But as soon as they crossed the city line, they were arrested. <laughs> There's the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Was the police searched every marriage certificate record between Knoxville and Washington, D.C., and they found none for well, Miss Augusta Hoffman. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, but I guess that they didn't feel there was a need, but I think I would have done that. I would have checked to see. Well, but the other thing is... Or even her sister. Why wouldn't her sister check and see? Well, I think you're missing the whole point here, babe. They killed her. Well, I mean, no, I know. I know. And I'm talking about <laughs> her sister. Right. Her sister probably was part of it. <gasps> That's probably why the letter stopped after two years. Her sister was making the fake letters. Oh. Maybe her sister killed him and, and these two died. I don't know, but somebody killed her and buried her in that basement. Oh. And it was somebody in that family. So they all knew. That's so mean. How could they live with herself after all them years? I don't know. Mm. So the, the attorney general pointed out during the, the case that this woman disappeared without a cry. They said that, you know, she just disappeared, dropped out of sight, and not one person lifted a finger to try to help her. And that they were going to do everything to prove that the Bennetts lived upstairs sleeping while this poor lady was lying dead underneath the floor of their cellar. Oh, jeez. How horrible. Obviously, they were found guilty. Yeah. Now, although, Why didn't they smell it? Did they not smell it? I have, you know, that's the first thing that crossed my mind, too, is how do you not smell that? Oh. So, although Augusta was murdered and uh, buried at number 15, Bluff, where her spirit has been frequently seen, is next door at the museum. Mm. So, nobody's sure why, but there's no shortage of ghost sightings over at the museum. Yeah. She's usually seen on ghost tours, believe it or not, by members of the, of the tour. One group even claimed that they saw her, uh, or at least saw a feminine shadow that they believed to be her, looking out of the same window of the museum that she has been known to hang out mm-hmm. without them knowing anything about her. Oh, that would be cool to see that. Her apparition has been caught in many photos there. Strange odors have been detected in the breeze, acidic and sometimes smelling rotten. Oh, that is so nappy. Is it possible that in death, Augusta Hoffman has somehow sought out the comfort of, of I guess, the familiarity of the area and, yeah. and that, rather than wanting to hang around the place where she was brutally murdered? Oh, wow. Poor Augusta. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> so what other, re- I mean, what other reason would she have to haunt that museum? Yeah, there is no reason. So the wise are unknown. So we just may never actually know the truth, may not get uncovered. But the one thing we do know is those who work at the museum are on a first-name basis with the ghost of a Miss Augusta Hoffman. Oh, so she's nice to them. Apparently. Bless her heart. <laughs> what? That's so bad. I know. But I do have some things, though. Like, 
to say, well, we searched all over and we didn't find any record of marriage license. Well, I mean, but she could have left to go marry him and he could have killed her before they got married. Well, yeah. That doesn't prove right. that she didn't run off with somebody. Well, I guess that's true. But the fact that she never left the house, it's this was the 1920s. It's not like she was on, you know, or 1915. It's not like she was on Match.com or <laughs> Match.Pigeon or whatever Carrier. it would have been back then. <laughs> so, Aww. I mean, I, so I do think that there's no doubt she was buried in that yeah, basement and, yeah. and to make up the story, they had to be part of it. Dude, you know, that's, you can, that's you don't crazy. live with somebody who doesn't leave the house and know that they don't have a boyfriend. Yeah. Or you, you just yeah. Don't. That's a little insane. So anyway, I thought it was a cool story from Chattanooga that I had never heard of. It is a very, I would like to go to that museum. That's maybe one out. day we shall. We shall do that. Maybe we'll, me and Augusto will high five each other. <laughs> I'll be like, what up, yo? And she like, you believe this crap? Here I am walking around smelling like stink butt and rotted flesh. And she'd be like, they tried to say I got married. I was floored. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny one. Oh, <laughs> that was good. Thanks. <laughs> oh. So now we get to do a listener story. Are you up for that? I'm excited for that. It's been a while. And let me tell you what's ironic about this listener story. When Nicole Hager sent us a story, she started off saying, Hey guys, I doubt you will share this or even going to read it, but I figured I'd share my story anyways. We'll see. And we are sharing it and reading it. So in your face. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So she says she's been binge listening to the show, and uh, she thanks so much for the laughs. Said she's uh, had quite a few experiences with ghosts and figured she'd share one of them. So that's what we're the story we're going to use tonight. She said, when I was a freshman in high school, my mother made me go to a school that was not in my school district, and I had to take the city bus to and from school every day. Anywho, <laughs> she actually put that, so I felt the need to say it. Anyway, I missed the bus one day, and I had to walk home. Now, mind you, this is in in May in Arizona, so it was hot. I started walking home. I took a shortcut through the canal. It cut like 30 minutes off my walk, but I was warned not to go through that area as it was very dangerous and very isolated. So, hey, I was young and the rules were meant to be broken. All of a sudden, I feel like somebody's following me. So I turn around and I see a man in the distance. Now, oddly, he had a black leather jacket, black pants, black boots, and slick-backed hair. It was just really weird for this type of weather. So I bust ass and start walking as fast as I can to get to the main road. A few minutes pass, I turn around, and he's gone. Fine. Whatever. I continue to walk home, and I heard a loud sound, like a car backfiring or a gunshot. I made it home safe and didn't miss the bus again. Now, a few months later, I was visiting with my grandmother and started looking through her old photo albums. In one of the pictures, there was the guy, dressed exactly the way I saw him a few months earlier. I ran to my grandma and asked who this guy was. She smiles and says, that's my baby brother, Eddie. He was murdered the day that picture was taken. Oh, God. Apparently, Eddie was shot to death. They did not ever solve his murder. And looking back, it was nice to know that he was watching over my dumb ass. I wish I had that picture. However, my grandmother passed in 04, and I had no idea where that photo album is now. Oh, my goodness. So it was really an angel watching over her. That's pretty cool. That's a good story. It was, a, um, I guess, a great uncle that she had never met. 
Oh, my goodness. So, thank you, Nicole, for sharing yeah, your story. thank you. That was really great. And now, I feel like we're on TV windows. And now, mm-hmm. it's not really. But anyway, so we, the next thing I want to do, we've got some more listener stories, but rather than me read them, I thought I'd let them come on. And uh, we've got Lindsay Best, who you remember Lindsay uh, was on the show, her and Grant, on one this same yeah. show months ago. And Grant was kind of a... Uh, uh, skeptic, I guess we'll say it, but he's one of these skeptics. I love that he has all these things that he can't explain, but it still doesn't believe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and of course. So they were talking about these, this house in Oklahoma that he owned mm-hmm. before him, him and the, he and Lindsay got together and they had, uh, has since then gotten married, had a fire that destroyed the home. Yeah, that was awful. And Lindsay has started her own podcast talking about things that go bump in the night and it's called appropriate enough something in the night. Good for but it's, you, girl. it's her and her cousins, Paige and Reagan, and we had them on the show to tell us a little bit about some things that they've experienced, including an update on um, the house that burnt down and what may or may not have happened that could be paranormal. Oh, so let's okay. listen. Let's listen to them real quick. Hey guys, we are joined by a couple that was actually on our uh, Patreon episode months ago. Actually, almost a year ago, but the names now are. Or have changed a little bit for one of them. We've got Grant and Lindsay Best on the show. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Now, you guys were on the show, and we talked uh, a little bit about a haunting. And you're actually the first couple that we've had on the show. I think you're the only couple that we've had on the show that was on together talking about your experiences. And you guys were talking about uh, uh, the house you live in in Oklahoma. Was this originally your home, Grant, or is this something you got together? No, it was my house first. I lived in it about three years before Lindsay and I got together. That's what I was thinking. And just a real quick refresher of kind of the situations that you guys were having there that you brought to our attention. Um, There was the footsteps. There was the shadows. Grant heard really loud drums that nobody else heard that, scared him to death um just constantly things you know throughout the night we got uh flashes of light on camera um nothing too crazy but definitely things that we couldn't explain now grant if i remember correctly even though all this was going on you were still pretty much a skeptic correct uh yes (laughs) now let's let's fast forward a little bit um you guys got married recently you went to hawaii which your timing couldn't have been more perfect. It was right about the time the volcano stuff was starting to happen. We actually went to um, Cancun. Cancun. Oh, well, why was I thinking it was Hawaii? I don't know. I wish it was Hawaii. <laughs> well, either way. Like either way, it don't matter. You got married. Lindsay had sent a message wanting us to wish you guys um, best wishes for the for the marriage while you were on your flight. You were going to listen to it. Did that happen? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And then... Tragedy struck. So you guys got married. You went on a honeymoon, a beautiful place. It's where most people were thinking, hey, life is as good as it's going to get right now. And then tell everybody what happened. We were home for about a week. We went to Lindsay's brother's house to the lake to kind of see everybody again because the wedding. And we left the day after the wedding. So we didn't really get to see anybody. And while we were at the lake... um, the morning, the next morning when we woke up, I had a bunch of messages on my phone, which is really weird. It was some people that would never call me usually on a Sunday morning, like my work and a neighbor and all that. So when I finally called them back, 
the neighbor is the first person I got a hold of, and they said, "Yeah, your your house is gone." I was like, "What do you mean it's gone? It's gone. It's it burned all the way down to the ashes or to the foundation." So we packed up, headed back, and, and we arrived at what was our house. It was just a foundation and ash. I saw the the pictures that that you guys posted. And it was, it, it just looked completely devastating. And I, I've never been a part of a house fire. I've had some relatives that went through it, but I just can't imagine the feeling of loss, even though you guys were lucky in the fact that nobody was there. So you didn't have any um, injuries or, or have that concern of, of uh, children or, or yourselves getting hurt in a fire like some people have to experience. You still have to have that just moment of, my gosh, we've lost everything. Right. right. Yeah. At first it was shock and then we did the, it was, it was almost like your morning. I mean, it's just things, but everything you've ever known is gone. You know, things that have been handed down and the family and wedding presents and silly things like that that don't matter, but you don't, it's just gone. So let me ask you a question. We, we've discussed the paranormal side of things that were going on. And now this happens. Was there ever a thought, either good or bad, that maybe some of the things you've experienced had anything in common with this? Or even from a positive side that maybe something you've experienced there was the reason that you weren't there at the time that this happened? Well, um, we, I, I don't know if I've even talked to you about it, but we are kind of into like the ghost hunting. We're trying to learn all of that stuff and have bought equipment and things like that. She's and, trying really hard to convince me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had played around with like the spirit box and things like that. And I dumbly went and bought a Ouija board and I had never played with one before ever. And Grant and I tried it one night. Of course, nothing happened. And we put it away and didn't think anything of it. And the other day we were talking to my mom and Grant was like, oh, yeah, the uh, your daughter brought the Ouija board. My mom, you know, flipped out and he was like, you know that we played with that right before the house burned down. Like I had never put two and two together and I don't want to think that's what it was. But the thought now really scares me. Well, that's uh, definitely some food for thought, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Have you guys experienced, because y'all are still living on the property right now, though, why a new home's being built, correct? Or are y'all living somewhere else? Yes. No, we're in a camper on the property. Have you noticed anything odd since you've been living there, since the house burnt down, or has everything been pretty much status quo? Well, a few, I don't know if it was months. I'm so, the time's flying so bad, but it wasn't very long ago. Me and Lindsay were sitting in our barn, which I converted to a bar. <laughs> And that's kind of where we're living right now. So, yeah, we're living in a bar. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were sitting there. It was just Lindsay and I. And right behind us, we heard a – was it a hiss? Yeah. Yeah, it was a hiss, like a like very distinct hiss. And I turned around, and she looked at me. And I was like, oh, I bet it was a refrigerator. And then I started kind of looking around. I was like, well – it can't be a refrigerator because there's nothing that would make that noise in the refrigerator. It's one of those old refrigerators. Right. We, when we first bought the camper, one of the doors opened by themselves. And of course he tried to explain it away. Like he always does. 
And then while we were sitting there, not 10 minutes later, that same day we heard the hiss, just 10 minutes after that, I was sitting by the only door you can get into that place, into our barn slash bar, and the door slammed. It was a like verbally, I mean, audibly loud slamming of the door, but the door was closed. Yeah. Scared the crap out of us. Yeah. I I tried to uh, figure that one out, but that one was over my head. (laughs) (laughs) Well... It's been fun talking to both of you. Grant, can I steal these three beautiful young ladies away from you for a little bit? They're all yours. I'm going to go in here and sit on the couch and watch Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Good good talking to you again. And and, uh, I'm really proud of how you guys have really taken off. You guys are doing an awesome job. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Well, ladies, so we've got... You three here to talk about a an interesting little venture that you guys started out on. You've got your own podcast called Something in the Night. So I've got Lindsay, who you, we've been talking to, and then I've got Paige and I've got Reagan. How are you three ladies doing tonight? We're doing good. Man, you almost practiced that. It was almost like uh, I was going to say stereo, <laughs> but that would be wrong because there's three of you, and I don't know what that is. So we'll just skip it and move on. Um, <laughs> well, me and Reagan, we're we're sisters, so. All the time, we always say things at the same time, and then we get mad at each other. Yeah. Like, stop it. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about how you three came together to do the podcast. What what started this whole um, theory or idea that, hey, we could put a podcast out together and uh, tell me a little bit about how y'all know each other. Y'all are related, correct, all of you? Right. Well, they are my cousins and their sisters. Okay, so we got that. Tell me how the process came about to start a podcast between you three. <laughs> well, I I guess I, you guys inspired me. Um, I've just always, you know, love paranormal. I love true crime. I listen to you and a couple other um, ones religiously every Monday. I, I'm downloading and listening, and I just got excited, got a wild hair, and you know, was asking you questions and was trying to find somebody to do it with me. And these two girls are just silly and fun to be around. We always have a blast together and I figured they'd be perfect to do it with. So with the, uh, the product product that you got, the theory behind this was to do three types of, of stories. You do lore, you do true crime and you do some paranormal on each one of you take uh, one of those stories and then the other ones don't know what's going on. So it's uh, literally like a little surprise for each one of the others. Who decides who's going to do each story each week? Is it going to be the same person doing true crime and the same person, which I think Lindsay, the first episode I heard you did the true crime and then um, paranormal. Was that who, who did the parent? Was that Reagan? That was me. Paige. Paige. Okay. I couldn't remember. And uh, so is it going to be that same every week or are you going to rotate? We're going to rotate, but we don't, we're trying to figure out now how to prevent doing the same same stories or trying to decide who does what, because everybody has their favorite stories, especially being in the same family. You love the same stuff. (laughs) So no, that'd be easy enough to figure out. That's, you know, you, as you start working together more and more and more, you it'll just kind of fit together like a puzzle. So that's, you know, just like with us, you know, well, it really has no comparison to us because Tracy don't care what I do. I just tell her when we show up. So 
I don't have to worry about that at all. <laughs> we eventually plan on, uh, we've kind of already started, like, the whole ghost hunting thing. Reagan is amazing at, like, making videos. Paige is amazing at anything digital. Um, so this will eventually be a YouTube page with our, our ghost hunt stuff. We'll talk about that. Um, anything that you've seen on our with our logo, things like that, pages made from scratch. Like these girls are so talented, and I think this is going to be a really good thing for their future. So, it is a really good looking logo too. I like that. Thank yeah, you. I went to school awesome. for it. <laughs> well, there you go. Good. I know who to hit up when I need stuff done. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about why you girls like this kind of stuff. Have, what have you had happen? Have you had anything happen? I guess I should say, instead of assuming in your life that brought this interest, let's start with Paige. Paige, what, what in your life has, has really brought you closer to the macabre to, to get in all this true crime and paranormal and lore and stuff? What makes you so interested in it? So I, the only thing that I've really experienced is um, paranormal stuff. So when I was little, like itty bitty, like probably like four, probably, um, I had a dream about my great grandpa who had died and I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know anything. And I was describing him to my mom and then Lindsay was here actually. And they pulled out a picture and they were like, is this who was in your dream? And I was like, yeah, that's the guy. And then they all got freaked out. And then especially after our papa died, like, he visits us probably yeah. every day. Like, we see him, we hear him, he does shenanigans, he, he opens my drawers in my bedroom. It's He knocks down your pictures. Yeah, he knocks down all my pictures. <laughs> we all have signs, too, when he's around. Like, he, I don't know if you've ever heard the term um, pennies from heaven, oh, but any time, um, you know, where any of us are going through a hard time or just need that extra boost, we find a penny. And Reagan, I don't know if you heard, actually you haven't listened to episode two, but in episode two we talk about Reagan and her mom was just in an accident. And a very, very bad accident. They probably should have died. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures or not, but um, right before the crash, uh, her mom found two pennies. And that was kind of Papa looking out for them. Yeah, and then after I was getting my bag out of Paige's car, I found one penny under my bag. Oh, yeah. And did an accident just recently happened? Yes, it happened Friday. Oh, well, goodness. Well, I hope they're okay. Yeah, Reagan, she, she's just black and blue. She had to make much Man. Um, okay, Reagan, so what about you? What, what got you so interested in this stuff? Uh, like Paige said, um, I've always seen, like, little shadows here and there. But, like, a few years ago when our papa first died, it was me, Paige, and our other cousin, Kylie. We were just hanging out by our, by ourselves at the house, and we were just, like, goofing around. And we just see this tall shadow just walk in. And, like, we're like, oh, my gosh, did you guys see that? And then it just walks out. And let me ask you this. How old are you and Paige? Um, I'm 17, and Paige is 21. Yep. I swear, when I heard you on the first episode, I thought you were, like, 12. <laughs> <laughs> she does sound young. <laughs> so what have you guys thought about your first experience now of getting together and putting the podcast out? Let's start with episode one. Was it everything you thought it was going to be, or was it 10 times more confusing and harder than you thought it was going to be? 
our first episode was awful. <laughs> yeah. We we were very nervous. We stuttered a lot. I tried my best to edit out all the stuttering, but <laughs> it was like, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we still have a lot to work on. <laughs> It, it's it's just one of those things it takes time it takes getting used to each other the timing is the biggest part because it's it's easy to step on each other's toes if, especially when you have three people in a room it's it helps that you can look at each other it's really hard to do it over the phone because you can't see when somebody's getting ready to talk you can kind of look at each other and see that in person and it, it does take some adjusting to get you know used to so Lindsay, what do you think about your partners in crime here do you uh do you feel like that it's a really good match and this thing's going to really be a cohesive unit when it's all said and done? I think it will be right now. Reagan's still in she's a senior, so you know, it's kind of I'm worried about, you know, her having time for palm and school, like homework, things like that. That's not going to last forever. So as long as she has time to research, I think we'll be fine. If me and Paige are, you know, Best and butt with work, and she's best and butt with school. We just got to put forth the effort and keep with it. Well, the beauty of it is, if you're in your senior year, you probably don't have a lot of homework going on anyway, so you got time to do this stuff in school. You can just be, you know, studying and that stuff. I know my senior year of school, I had one class that I had to take, and the rest of the classes were just whatever I wanted to do. And you're yeah, probably in a like similar my- situation. That's like mine right now. I only have to take two core classes and then all are just chill out. <laughs> so that's an advantage you have if you've got one of those like an extra study hall or something and you're just there. That'd be a good opportunity to do a little research and, and get some stuff done. But, you know, hey, you're part of a podcast now. You just got to let stuff like prom and stuff go. Sorry. That's just the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can work around it with it being the last year. So as far as the podcast goes, Tell everybody out here what you hope to accomplish as far as when they listen to something in the night, what do you want them to get out of it? That we're not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I want them to learn something. Like it was neat to see people that I know comment on stuff saying, wow, I didn't know that about that. But take the humor away from it too. I don't want it to be a scary show. I want it to be kid friendly other than I may have to do a disclaimer for some stories. Like my first one was not kid friendly, but I want it to be a fun, happy show that involves our favorite things, true crime and paranormal and weird, unexplainable things. So well, I don't, I don't know where you get that your first uh, story wasn't kid friendly. I mean, what kid doesn't want to hide into the, you know, carved out stomach of a, you know, of a pig. I mean, that's, that's always what I did as a kid. So that's, that sounds kid friendly to me. I was so almost traumatized from that story, but I couldn't stop reading. Like, it was insane. Well, guys, I want to appreciate you, you know, and thanks for coming on to the uh, the show. I know it was very short notice, but I did listen to the episode, and I think your show has tons of potential. I like the style. I like the format. I like your personalities, and uh, I think you're going to have some bright days ahead, and I just hope you enjoy the ride and don't get too caught up in it. It can be... Um, once you put yourself out there for people listening, as you've experienced already through us and probably so many other podcasts, people can be very cruel in their opinions and very blunt. Uh, and just don't take any of that stuff personal. Do it for the right reasons. Do it because you like doing it. Do it because you're having fun. 
and yeah. screw everybody else. That's pretty much the approach and then the best advice I would give you. Well, I appreciate it. Tell everybody how they can find you on social media and how they can find the show. Hey, you're the pro at this. <laughs> okay. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Something in the Night Podcast. And then you can find us on um, Twitter at Something ITN. And then if you want to send us stories, we you can email, email us at uh, Something in the Night Podcast at gmail.com. Awesome. And is the show up where pretty much uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, they can find the show? Yes. We think so. If not, send us the message and we'll get it uploaded. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of places to post it, that's for sure. But I know I, when I looked it up on uh, Double Pod, which is what I usually use, it came right up. So, Oh, awesome. So give it a shot, guys. Give it a listen. Like they said, be nice. They're just starting out. They're, uh, <laughs> they're getting the hang of it. It's going to just like everybody else. It takes a while to, to get your feet underneath of it. So give it a shot and grow with them. And I think you'll uh, be happy you did. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, we had a chance yesterday to listen to their second episode, mm-hmm. uh, which we hadn't listened to when we recorded that. And they definitely have come a long way just from the first episode to the second episode. Much better. And um, I know they were. that's what they said on the show, and, but I'm just verifying that it actually is mm-hmm. uh, leaps and bounds above the first one. So yeah, good, good job, ladies. So anyways, that wraps up. Uh, that was not planned but that wraps up the october edition of the uh, patreon listener stories episode hope you guys enjoyed it yeah and the nice little tune at the end just for you guys (laughs) thank you guys for everything you do for us you give us uh, the ability to you know get new equipment you give us the ability to research some stuff buy some books and uh, go to some of these places and report back to you. We we greatly appreciate it. It means more than you'll ever know. It sure does. We appreciate you and love you very much. We'll see you soon. Later. Hey, guys, if you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode and then a story that's just, just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.